0: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I wanted to quickly introduce you to part of my family. This is uh, my wife, Candice. Everyone say hi, Candice. This is my daughter, Nia. Say hi, Nia. Nia. And this is my youngest. Can you say hi to Winnie? Hi, Winnie. Can you say hi? Can you wave? And the reason why I wanted to introduce, and then I'll let (laughs) know, is because of what y'all are doing, this family, at least this part, we met here. And who we are as a family, a huge part of the foundation of who we are and what we do in this city and what we do internationally happened out of this room specifically. And I can't help but feel moved every time I'm here. I'm so grateful to, to Dr. Graham and to the leadership to re, uh, continue to extend an invitation to be a part of, part of chapel uh, over the last decade actually. Um, But this morning, I'm extra excited because there's a sense of energy and uh, being a part of the new season with President Hagen, I want you guys to know that President Hagen is not just your president, but as an alum, he's our president and we are honored to call you our president. While I walk these two down, why don't I catch you guys up real quick about what Venture's all about, just 30 seconds. Here's a little bit of what happened in this chapel more than a decade ago, watch this. So that started out of this room. This room right up there, venture happened because somebody came up, stood on a stage, talked about a need in South America, and a group of students were like, I want to move past just feeling deeply, I want to move past just caring, and I want to show what the love of Christ looks like and they decided to bike across the country, which was a crazy idea at that time. And, and so now, more than a decade later, we say we do tough things for people in tough places. The tough things are we bike, we hike, we run, we paddle, we swim, we do anything that exerts sweat on behalf of other people. We move from the comfort of our couch and Netflix onto something else out in the world to sacrifice, to practice the act of sacrificing on behalf of people in desperate needs, and so so we we bike across countries. People who'd never owned a bike before, we bike across the country, we run across states, we climb mountains, we sign up for Ironman, and we don't even know how to swim. We learn how to swim, um, but we don't even know how to do it, and we do it because there's something inside of us, in each of us, that's calling us to live a version of our life that's that's a step better than it is right now, and we are pursuing what the kingdom looks like, and miles don't save anybody but the act of physically sacrificing on behalf of other people now there's a start and so that we do these tough things and then we do them for people in tough places because we don't think it's okay for young girls under the age of 9 to be sexually exploited all over this world we don't think it's okay for families to be displaced because their villages are bombed and dads are killed, and moms are raped, and young boys are conscripted into armies as child soldiers. We don't think oppressive poverty and extreme famine is something that we should just feel bad about, but we feel like we can do something about it, so we go to some of these most desperate situations, and we specifically, as Venture, we identify the least reached. So where these injustices happen, and that oversec- or um, overlaps or intersects with populations that have less than 2% of a witness of Jesus Christ. That's where you're going to find venture and we're going to go there. We're going to find what God's already doing. We're working with the leaders and we're we're helping, we're providing education and food and stability and housing and rescue. We're providing sustainable farming and business initiatives. We're helping people become the first to, to go to college and then to move on from there. And we're working with what the Holy Spirit's already doing. And so if you're here and you're like, "You know what? That sounds like a fun way to spend my summer." We'd love to talk with you about that whether you've you've Run a marathon, or you've never run a 5K. Whether you've biked across the country, or you don't even know if you can balance as you turn left, we specialize in all of you. And if you're interested, uh, we've got a table out there. We North Essentials our favorite. Don't tell anybody else, but North Essentials our favorite. And so, uh, but but this morning, this morning is about the last part of our phrase where Venture specifically intersects this room, not even just the campus. You guys know if you've been here any amount of years, Venture and North Central love each other. We have like this thing, right? Um, But where Venture intersects is this room. The last part of what we say is it's our response to the gospel. We don't do things first because people are poor or because they need food or because they're trafficked. We start from scripture. We are learning how to respond in this room. In this room, you have the opportunity to learn what it's like to respond to the gospel to, so there's this difference, the New York Times bestselling author, Malcolm Gladwell, talks about the difference between responding and reacting. And reacting is this, this temporary thing, this emotional, somewhat knee-jerk, often counterproductive reaction or uh, to a set of variables that are in front of you. And this happens a lot in the church world and all around, we see something and we just, we just do, we just respond, we just react. Response, response happens at that same that same moment but it's anchored in something that happens before. It's anchored in your core belief. It's anchored in your principles. It's anchored in something that you have crafted and honed over time. So you can respond in the same amount of time, but it's something that's very productive. In this room, this room is about that. This room is about anchoring. It's about crafting and honing your core principles so that when you see the world and you see the needs in the world, you have practiced what it means to respond to the gospel in a way that represents Christ. One of the most innovative initiatives that we have with any college, with any church, with any group is specifically with North Central. It's something that we've done for the last several years. It's called Hope for Dinner. If you are not a first year student, how many of you have done Hope for Dinner? Hope for Dinner is a campaign we're doing this week. We've done it one week a year, sometime right before Thanksgiving, where we simply say, hey, let's practice responding to the gospel. And would you consider trading what you'd normally eat in the cafeteria or in your apartment or your home and instead trade that out, eat beans and rice and then give the difference for people who desperately need food? And over the last several years, this community has provided 60,000 meals. 60,000 meals while you are racking up your bill for education, investing in your future, by simply trading what you do for four days, you guys have impacted lives all around the world. But hope for dinner is not not first a response to hunger. It's not first a response to poor people in another part of the world that we don't yet know. Hope for dinner is a response to the Gospel. Hope for dinner is a response. Throughout the First and the Second Testaments, there are almost 3,000 verses on God's heart for justice. 3,000 verses, that's a whole Bible class there are 444 verses just on God's heart to care for the poor and the oppressed and the hungry. So when we do what we're going to invite you to do with Hope for Dinner, it is practicing what the gospel is calling us to. You cannot divorce Christianity from caring for the poor and the oppressed, not just because it's philanthropy, because it's the gospel. And this is what you guys have been doing, and this is what we invite you to do. Now, There is a verse that I think of, it's a story in the First Testament and it's in um, 2 Samuel 9. It's a story that maybe you've heard and not paid much attention to. I would bet that most of you have not thought about it in terms of a feeding program or hope for dinner or even a compassion message, but it's it's the story of David and this guy Mephibosheth. And David is the king, he's ascended to the throne, the previous dynasty of Saul is done and David is, I'm just imagining him walking around a really nice pad and he says to the people around him, to whom can I extend kindness? And this servant named Ziba says, there's this guy Mephibosheth, he is the son of the previous dynasty. Now this is interesting because in this day and age, it was very customary when one dynasty ascends the throne to kill everybody else in the preceding dynasty so they didn't have access to the throne. A Little bit harsh. Our democracy works a tad bit better than that. Um, but this is, this is what uh, would, would have been normal. And David said, well, bring me Mephibosheth. And they had to go find Mephibosheth because Mephibosheth would have been in, uh, in hiding, fearing for his life. And Mephibosheth comes, and I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to quit saying Mephibosheth because I think I've done it right every single time, but my I'm getting a little bit dry, so we'll just call him uh, M Dog or M Train or or Phibby or I don't know, but whatever I'm saying. So Mephibosheth comes, and and it, it would have been an interesting it would have been an interesting um, sight because we know through reading scripture that Mephibosheth was crippled or lame. We he couldn't walk, and he comes before the king, and probably fearing for his life, and it says that he lays prostate on the ground before the king, and the king says, no, 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 I'm I'm about to give you back everything. So in this moment where he thinks he's going to die, he's been found out, he's gonna be killed, that's the cultural expectation. Um, David says, I'm gonna return to you everything that Saul had, so he gets back all of his stuff. Now this was huge, here's this crippled guy who has no access to figure out how to care for himself, and David extends all of that, but then he goes one step further and he says, set a table. Set a spot at my table, you can eat with me. And in this chapter, four different times, he keeps saying, and there'll always be a spot for you. There's always a spot at your table. There's always a spot at my table. You can always come and eat with me. And this to me is so powerful it drives me because I am passionate about as a family us moving past feeling bad for people. People who might not be able to walk as well as I or might not have as much stuff as I do or or might be in a famine in another part of the world and I get exhausted about just feeling bad for people. The reaction can't keep up with all of the pain in the world or in our city, I can't react enough, I can't, and so I either just get exhausted or I anesthetize myself and say, I just can't do anything. So I have to move past reaction and here's what David did, he didn't just give him some money and some stuff back, he invites him in relationship to a seat at his table. This is the gospel. First of all, if you don't listen to anything else, if you don't beans or rice or anything, that's okay, but here's the gospel. This is a Christophany. This is a picture of what Christ does. He looks at us, us who have no dignity, who deserve death, and he says, come, come, I will always leave room at the table for you. It's an invitation. It's a prophetic voice for us to do that for other people, for us to make room at our table. And this week, I'm gonna invite you. Would you make room? I know you're busy. I know you're busy. I am so moved that your president gets up here and talks about we're making room in our city. It is not convenient. And while you were being really nice, I was like, who cares if it's not convenient? We're Christ followers. Our life is supposed to be about not convenient. Our life is supposed to be about seeing what's in scripture and then looking up in the world and going, oh yeah, we can do this. We can do that. Now, I know. I know you are investing in this school. You are investing in your education. I totally get it. You paid for that room. Great. God gave you money or the bank for you to have that room. Now share it with somebody. I love it. And I don't want to apologize as nor essential. I want to actually say with arms wide open, man, city, come, come, see what it means to follow Christ. See what we do. And this is what David's doing. David's saying, there's a spot at the table. Christ said to you, there's a spot at my table. And now it's our turn. And this is where response happens. I get it. You don't all have to be as passionate about biking. No problem. Spandex, no problem. You don't have to be as passionate about the city. No problem. You might be called to rural. You don't have to be passionate, but here's where we all intersect in this room the gospel. Voice after voice, women, men, Brown, black, white, laity, clergy, educators, pastors, philosophers, musicians, athletes, not so much athletes, artists, all of us coming together, hearing voices from all around the world, and people going, here's what's in scripture, and this is what it has to do with my world, and now I've gotta figure out what to do. And this morning, whether you want to or not, what you do or don't do is your response. And so this is the invitation. It was earlier this summer that an alum from North Central, such a cool guy. It's fun to have friends who are lawyers because you're like you feel grown up. And my friend Simon's a lawyer. Simon, raise your hand right there. Simon's an alum. I think uh, you graduated with a business major, cross-cultural studies, pastoral, what? Tefl, of course. Tefl, that's your on-ramp to lawyering. Anyway. Um, So he's a lawyer in the city, he's running for public office, and as a part of who Simon is, and what he learned in this room, he loves his neighbor. And you know who's our neighbors? Somalis. And Simon's so good about gathering people, especially Somalis, he's got all these friends. And as he starts having conversations with these Somalis, he's finding out what we all kind of know, but if you don't, we are in the midst, this planet is in the midst of the worst famine, since the history of the UN, in the northwest part of Africa, including Somalia. In Somalia right now, half, six million people, half of every person in that country is food insecure. That's just a fancy NGO word for they're past hungry, they're dying. And Simon heard about this, and Simon felt God do something in him, not, oh, I feel bad for those people, although I'm sure you did, and I'm not trying to underscore that, or, or, uh, but Simon felt God saying, now it's time for you to respond in a different way. And he's in the middle of a campaign, the time when he should be in his precinct or whatever else you call it, where he should be there, you know, knocking on doors, and Simon figures out a way to get on a plane and flies to Somalia. Who does that? And Simon, through connection, starts meeting with like vice presidents and ministers and grand poobahs and I, I don't know the whole, you know, I don't know the whole thing but I know they're really important people and I also know that Simon was texting and emailing with us while he was here. He's like, pray for me because we are about to get in a car and go to really, really dangerous, dangerous places. In fact, some of the people that he connected with have recently lost their lives in the great conflict happening there. And, uh, but Simon, in responding to the guy what he learned here in this room over and over, day after day, because he was primed and ready for that, because he honed and crafted his core beliefs, got to Somalia, made relationships, came back here, we had coffee, and he said, so here's the plan, we're gonna get three containers of food and medical supplies to Somalia. He doesn't have a Somali background. He doesn't have a cross-cultural ministry background. He doesn't have a war conflict zone background. He doesn't have a food dietician background. He has a Christ-following background that responded to the gospel. And he said, hey, hey, could you do something like that? So then Shana Fowler, where are you at Shana? I know you're right there, right there. Shayna, we're praying for you with the loss of your uh, grandpa. You know, I, I love you. Shana, last year came to me and said, hey, this whole for dinner thing, that's really, really great, but you know what? It's only for the people in the cafeteria, so you're only half as good as you say. She didn't say it that way, but that's how I took it. I felt like, you ever have a conversation with someone you feel like they hit you and you say thank you? That's kind of what Shayna did, but she's really nice. She smiles the whole time. Shayna is a business major. She's a business major, is a part of an incredible group of students called Enactus, and they said, we want in. And came in and they said, we're gonna rethink this whole thing and we're gonna find ways not only to engage if you're in the cafeteria, but also if you're in the apartments, if you're in a home, we're gonna have places all over this campus so that you can respond to the gospel this week as a community. So we can go from 60,000 meals to 100,000. This will, be a, uh, this will be a record-breaking week where you guys respond, where you move from comfort to something else on behalf of other people because you know what, that's what Christ did for you. He was in a pretty good place and he came down to a pretty uncomfortable place and we're better off for it and when we do that, we start living out the gospel in a beautiful way. This is what we're gonna practice. So Shana and Anactus, they have made opportunities all over. Simon gets on a plane. You, you get to trade what you eat. And I'm so thankful for the leadership of President Hagin because him and the gracious first lady got on board and they lead by example. They respond to the gospel. They move from a glorious sunny place to a less sunny but Maybe equally glorious place. Um, but they also jumped on board and said, Somalia famine, our neighbors here, we are the number one city for Somali population. Yeah, that makes a whole bunch of sense, because you know what? What we do here has to matter out there. What we do in here has to impact out there in our city and in the world. And so President Hagen and Karen, they just uh, they actually gave you a personal invitation. Would you watch this, please? Somalia is experiencing one of the worst famines ever recorded by the UN. And that's very significant to us as part of the North Central community because of all of our very special and precious Somali neighbors. And not only are they unsure about whether next meal is going to be, they're also in desperate need of medical supplies. So next week, November 14th through the 17th, uh, Venture, which is an organization that started by an NCU and Actis, a student led group to host uh, what we call Hope for Dinner. During Hope for Dinner, students have the opportunity to trade their traditional cafeteria lunch for rice and beans. And every time a student chooses rice and beans, our uh, food service provider, Pioneer, is going to donate $2 uh, to Venture. Now, every time a student does this, that dollar that is given from that $2 is going to provide 10 meals for Somalis and it also Provides much needed medical supplies. So we want you to trade that one meal here in the cafeteria for rice and beans and make a difference in morning. And if you're not a North Central student eating on campus during home for dinner but would like to participate in providing meals and medical supplies, 100% of your donation is going to go directly to this cause. Uh, we have included a donation link in the details below this video. Hey, not only is it about what happens here in the cafeteria, we also want to encourage you. about two minutes, but one minute, you're going to stir in the beans and heat it through, and you're going to add salt and pepper to taste, and finally, you're going to serve it with the rice. Well, thank you, President you So, there you have it, a delicious meal of rice, and so thank you for joining us today on TSPN And In all seriousness, please partner with us by donating praying, and eating rice Sometimes there are prophetic moments, so gentlemen or ladies, listen to this. If you've got that certain someone that you've been eyeing and you invite them to a meal at your place and you serve them rice and beans for missions, that's like you are, you're like three steps into the game already. So, this, uh, there's a fine line when you represent an organization or initiative coming in and framing the gospel so it fits your need and your initiative and I do not wanna do that. This room, this room is about us practicing responding to the gospel. It is about honing and crafting our core beliefs. It is about stacking obediences, stacking responses, stacking compassion, stacking the skills and the heart that God has for us so that we continue to be more and more prepared for whatever it is, whether it's getting on a bike, getting on a plane, going across the street, or leaving the city for a week. Whatever it is, we stack our response to the gospel so that we are ready at any moment to do what Christ did for us, what David did for Mephibosheth. I'm so I am so proud of this place, creating space for three students to respond, start an organization that now has impacted 135,000 lives. I'm so proud of this place for preparing and investing in a young lawyer that at the moment when he's most needed here, he stops and goes there on behalf of the gospel. I'm so proud of a group of students that say, yeah, that was good, but let me use my gifts as a business, marketing, thinking, non-feeling, not that you don't feel, but like you guys, business people, right? You just separate those things and you just crush it. But you're crushing it for the gospel. And I'm so appreciative of a community that over the last several years has provided over 60,000 meals. And I want to invite you to be a part of pushing this over 100,000 because this is what we do. And I don't think it's a coincidence, at least for me, as I read in First Samuel 9 that David talks about extending the invitation and preparing space at his table four different times. And this week, we are asking you for four times, not one time, don't just respond emotionally and go, I could down some beans and rice once so I look good on Tuesday. Do it Tuesday, do it Wednesday, do it Thursday, do it Friday. You can do it in the cafeteria, and all you have to do is grab a ticket and pick Pick the beans and rice line. Let's let the peas go cold for one week. I know y'all love the peas, all right? I know we love peas and carrots and Brussels sprouts. Take a step away from the Cocoa Puffs on behalf of other people. And when you do beans and rice, Pioneer, they're giving the money for you. All you have to do is trade your meal. Pioneer is incredible in their generosity. So every time you do this, you will provide 10 meals plus medical supplies. That's a no-brainer. That is a no-brainer response to the gospel. And if you don't have a cafeteria plan, I'm so grateful. To enact this, because over in Clay Commons, they kind of upgraded. You got beans and rice from Chipotle over there, and you could just make a suggested donation. Chipotle donated it all, and you just at uh, two dollars again, 10 meals, medical supplies, responding to our brothers and sisters. It's 149, so I have 60 seconds to pray. His kingdom come. His will be done in this room in your lives, in our city, around the Super Bowl and our Somali populations, for our brothers and sisters overseas, for what's going on in your own life, for Charlie's self, for people who have lost people, his kingdom come, that we may continue to move past comfortable to something else on behalf of others as Christ did for us. May you be full of his spirit. May you encourage and sharpen one another. May we let the peas grow cold and the bellies be full in Somalia. May you be salt and light. Amen. Go eat beans and rice.